Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Find Your Voice. My name is Zoe Daniel, and this is a podcast that we started ahead of the 2022 federal election to discuss policy issues affecting Goldstein and Australia more broadly. I'll begin today by acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands on which we meet. In my case, that's the Bunurong Bunwarang peoples of the Kulin Nation and their elders past and present on unceded Aboriginal land. On today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Mary Crooks AO. Mary is the Executive Director of the Victorian Women's Trust. For those that might not know, the Victorian Women's Trust was established in 1985 in support of advocacy work in three high-impact areas, economic security, health and safety, and equal representation. Mary has designed and led several groundbreaking community engagement initiatives. Now, one of these, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is the kitchen table conversations model as a key part of community engagement. The kitchen table model was very much part of independence like myself getting elected, but it's also now going to be a key part of our toolkit as we foster reasoned conversations about the voice referendum that's happening later this year. Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure, Zoe. Let's start with kitchen table conversations. Tell us how the model works and why this model has been successful in building civic engagement. Okay, so let me step you back um, some 20 years or so when we designed and applied the model for the first time in the late 90s in Victoria, <clears throat> in the Kennett era at that time, uh, and we involved back then some 6,000 women and men in the process across the state. So it was the first time anything like it had been ventured, not only just in Victoria but in Australia. Uh, it was a hugely powerful experience uh, with great outcomes for people. And we sat down afterwards, three of us, and we said, you know, it's such a powerful model, let's do it again, but this time take a really complex issue because the the process can handle that kind of complexity. So we said, what would it be? Well, it was a no-brainer back then. We said it would be about water. And so short story is that we recalibrated the model uh, so that it could deal with that kind of complexity of science, of technology, of... uh, ordinary people's wisdom on the land and so on, and bring it into a really powerful meld. So successful was it back then that the CSIRO actually picked up our model and used it to run their whole Energy Mark program. But Zoe, just, you know, seeing you today in terms of member for Goldstein, way back then we also actually applied the model across Goldstein. Uh, when um, Kristen Stegley made a bid as an independent back in the early 2000s. So there's a particular interesting historical link Uh, and and I was happy to work with Kristen in her campaign to tailor the model to Goldstein back then. But And as you pointed out, I think the most famous deployment of our model was around Indi in 2012-2013 and there's no doubt in my mind when... Kathy McGowan and the Women's Trust Chair, Alana Johnson, came down to Melbourne in 2012 and they said, we've got two questions for you, Mary, and, and significantly, 
both those women had in fact been participants in our watermark and purple sage. So they understood the model from their grassroots participation. They understood its power and capacity. So they came to me and said, two questions for you. One, can the model be applied across an electorate? In short, I said, yep. Secondly, they said, will you help us? I said, yep. And so I worked with them with the 12 Voices for Indi members over six months, training and mentoring. They rolled out that engagement process. And there's no doubt it was one of the key factors leading to Cathy achieving that historic 9% swing. Hmm. So it was a no-brainer, Zoe, that when the referendum was announced last year, because we had this 20-year experience with the model, we know its power, we know it can handle complexity, and we know it works. It's tried and tested. So when the referendum was announced, I absolutely ached to see us at the Trust bring the model into the service of the campaign. And so from October onwards, we've worked hand in glove with From the Heart and now the Yes Alliance to be at the service of the Yes Alliance and to see if we can't have this historic nationwide kitchen table conversation model working to help bring home the referendum. So that so, that's just goes to the origins and the, the antecedents, if you like. Yeah. So we in Goldstein at a couple of the forums that we've run so far on The Voice have talked about the fact that we are going to recruit people to do kitchen table conversations in the electorate. Can you just explain for people who don't know a lot about it, just what the nuts and bolts of that are? How does that actually look? Yeah. Um, look, it's it's uh, it's a an un, unburdensome uh, process. So the nuts and bolts. We recruit conversation hosts, ordinary folk. They're more commonly women. Uh, they bring the men in, as a general rule. Um, but we recruit conversation hosts, and we say to them, if you're prepared to step up and become a host. Uh, if you want to be a co-host with a friend, you undertake to bring up to 10 other people together in your in your home or in a communal space. And once you register with us, we actually give you then an armchair ride in how to actually manage two discussions, one that will occur mid-May onwards and another same group three or four weeks later. So each group managed by a conversation host, receives the materials that we develop and people have a safe, supported, respectful deliberation together about the voice and about the referendum. So we provide materials. The conversation host doesn't have to have any knowledge, actually, of Indigenous affairs. Conversation hosts don't have to have any knowledge, technical or otherwise, about the referendum. They have to have a preparedness to welcome people, to organise, and women are pretty good at bringing groups together. They don't have to cook a meal, maybe a packet of Tim Tams and put the jug on. Mm-hmm. But they receive the all the support materials from us 
and effectively they sort of chair they chair the meeting in a way because we supply the format, we supply the resources in a very careful and considered way for people to think about this in a way they might not have so far. So it's a simple process. It's elegant. It's powerful. It brings people together. We set ground rules at the beginning that people who come together, they agree to operate by these ground rules. So it's a very safe and respectful environment to have a a, a really hard think. Two meetings that people come together. And the reason the first lot of conversations will occur around the country in May is because, as you would know, that's a very significant month historically in that it's the same month that the Uluru Statement from the Heart was issued in 2017, and it's also the same month that the 1967 referendum occurred. So there's a lot of psychological power in saying, okay, we're going to have this nationwide process for the first time ever, and we're going to line it up with those other two historical antecedents. And how do you recruit people to the table? And avoid the people being at the table, people who think the same way as you. Yeah. Zoe, it's interesting, over the last several weeks, there's been some common feedback to us to say, but I don't need to do this because I'm already voting yes and all my friends are. And we're actually saying, no, 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 no. That makes it all the more important that you, you come aboard and play a role because because that kind of commitment isn't enough to bring home the bacon in this referendum because our polling, our understanding of the polling is that there are four groups roughly. There's the hard yes, already committed. There's the soft yes, not there yet. There's a soft no and there's a hard no. Now, our goal, and we think we have a perfect process for this, is that we want to work with the people who are in the soft yes and the soft no because we think that with some gentle, reflective, trustworthy treatment of the issues, they will come on board. And we think that the people who have made up their minds already, who are very positive about voting yes, they're perfect conversation host material. But we're saying... Don't take this for granted. We've got a job to do as citizens to bring this home. Roll up your sleeves. We reckon it might take about eight to ten hours of your time over about four months. It's not a lot of time. And so so we're, we're recruiting. We're going around the country now in community information sessions. All of those are listed on our Together Yes website. But Zoe also, two weeks ago, we sent out an invitation to thousands of company leaders, not-for-profits, church communities, faith communities, multicultural communities, and importantly, MPs, state and federal, all over. And we've urged them to create an opportunity in your members and your constituents and your supporters, tell people here's a terrific opportunity for you to put your citizen hat on and and play a role in the campaign. So an MP like yourself doesn't have to mandate this and can't, but you can certainly say to people, you know what, 
if you want if you want to play a small but important role in helping to bring this home, then together, yes, we invite you to have a look at it, go to the website and sign up. And so how do people, sorry, I was just going to say, how do people then bring people to that table? So you get your kitchen table conversation hosts yeah. organised and then how do they get those soft yes, soft no Okay, so there's two there's two points here. So it, one is that we say to people, you bring people around your own table according to your comfort zone. So if you wanted to just bring your family members, you know, your children, their boyfriends, girlfriends, partners, uh, maybe a recalcitrant uncle, uh, if you wanted to bring uh, people that you felt very comfortable about bringing into your space, then that's... That's important. It's your comfort level. But there will be people who will say, look, I'm happy. I'm happy to have three or four mates around the table, but I'm also happy to have them bring people where they actually reckon they haven't made up their minds yet. So that's the way the power becomes expressed, that that people laterally engage with one another and bring them in. Now, it's actually pretty easy because, as I said before, I mean, women are great at organising stuff. You know, I mean, on the phone, texting people, hey, you know, I'm interested in having hosting a conversation at my place in three weeks' time. I'd love you to come. How about it? Texting back, sounds good, and so on. So it's not, it's not a, a big, tough ask. It is actually about connecting with people you know um, you don't have to go out and find people that you think are hard yes or soft yes or whatever. You just let it seep out because if you have thousands of conversation hosts, then you'll end up with a reasonable diversity of hard yes, soft yes, soft no. I'm not particularly, I'm not all that fast about using a lot of energy on the hard no because I think the political reality is they're not for changing. Um, but I think there are a lot of Australians with the right session materials. I reckon we can work to bring their hearts and minds together. I reckon there's a lot of Australians who we can help to go into their heart and they can find that stamp on their heart that's called D. D for decency, I think it's there. Uh, They've been buffeted a lot. They've heard a lot of nonsense. They've heard a lot of divisive stuff. They've been confused over the last eight months. And I think our process can work gently and with integrity uh, and set a better basis for people to make a decision than what they're hearing in the noisy landscape. Mm. Tell me a bit more about the materials that are provided and how do they help support the conversation? Sure. So session one, so the two sessions, as I've said, and they will be up by the time people come in, have a cup of tea and settle in, The whole that whole first session might take two hours, but there might be discussion around an hour and 20, for example. <clears throat> so... So the first session at which, you know, we're preparing the materials now, the first session 
is largely around recognition and the struggle for recognition. And the second session, three or four weeks later, is going to be on how the voice will make a material difference. So in the first session, for instance, next week in Brisbane, I'm going to film Jackie Huggins. Uh, Now, I heard Jackie last October giving the wrap-up to the first collaboration laboratory for the Yes campaign. She gave an unscripted reflection on what it was like as a younger Indigenous woman to work for the 67 campaign and to see it come home. It was a majestic, powerful, exceptional speech. When Jackie sat down next to me and I looked at her and I thought, there's one of our session materials. Mm-hmm. So we film Jackie next week. It might be a three-minute film. So you've got to imagine, Zoe, around your table, you get on the format we give you, we say, righto, now's the time for people to sit quietly. We're going to listen to Jackie reflecting about 67 and what it meant. So you press the button as the host and people watch that film, which will be captioned as well. Now, I would defy soft yeses and soft no people to watch that film and not find it an emotionally stirring thing to see because Jackie is a majestic, commanding, humble, gracious, dignified Indigenous woman. Now, the reality is that most people who vote this year haven't actually had the pleasure or the privilege, as I've had, and you, to actually meet and work with Indigenous people. So we've got to find ways that prevent people from feeling awkward about that. We've got to find ways that actually bring positive indigeneity into the living rooms in these conversations. So you asked about the session materials. That kind of film is part of the session materials. And in the second session, which will largely focus on how the voice will make a difference, another film a bit longer with half a dozen Indigenous people and one non-Indigenous, Fiona Stanley, and they will focus our minds through all the noise on how the voice will make a material difference in the lives of Indigenous people, whether they're in Brisbane accessing health services or whether they're in Fitzroy Crossing. Mm. So our session materials find that right note. They're not burdensome. People aren't required to read huge essays. People are required to take the time to think and respond and reflect and do it, hear what others around the table say and have their own perspectives recalibrated in the process. Just as you're talking there, Mary, I'm sort of reflecting on my life of journalism the formative years of which were spent in rural Australia, sitting around kitchen tables in farmhouses, talking to people who worked in agriculture and lived in rural and remote communities about life and 
business and family and environment and all sorts of things. Um, and I think that that's, that helped me begin a journalism career, which was very focused on talking to actual people in their own situation about their experience and then communicating that. And it's therefore interesting the tie that this has to Cathy McGowan, who was also floating around the edges of my professional life at, at that time. But I'm also just reflecting on whether over that period we've lost the ability to naturally have these kitchen table conversations or whether we, we've sort of forgotten how important it is to have them, which has yeah. created this need to actually structure a process to do something that maybe in previous eras we would have just been doing by default. Does that make sense? It, it makes such great sense. You are, you know, you are right and right and right in your observations. Uh, and and that's why I want to demystify the process uh, to take the sort of sting out of it because it is a natural occurrence for people to come together and have a safe and respectful chin wag. The difference is that instead of having an informal, loosely uh, randomised chin wag, we're actually structuring it by providing session materials. We're providing the structured basis. Zoe, it's so interesting. When when I engaged with the Voices for Indi uh, back in November 2012, day before Cup Day at the time, and and the men in that group were sort of drumming the table a bit, saying, oh, all this talk about process, let's just sort of get on with finding a candidate and going for it. And the women in the group were saying, no, 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 we need to re-engage the electorate. Anyhow, the long and short of it, Zoe, is that they made the commitment that day to roll out the process. And I said to the blokes, now you guys have to get off your bums and you have to actually set up the groups too. You have to don't let the women do it all. And I said to them that day, do you know when you do this, when you actually enable people to come together in ways like this, what do you think might be the two words that you keep hearing from people when this happens? From my experience over the years before, they had no idea. And I said, people will say, thank you. Mm. And they did. So when I reconnected with the group four months later or three months later, they told me they heard that time and time again. Zoe, that's what people said to us 20, over 20 years ago in Victoria. Thank you. Because probably increasingly, but even back then, two decades ago, the ability for people to come together and have a safe dialogue with one another without having their heads chopped off. I think we have been losing that. But back then, our political culture, voting at the ballot box pretty much only, has prevented us from being able to bring people together like this. I think it's no accident that the way our political culture has been morphing because of independents such as yourself, because of successful young Greens candidate in Brisbane, because 
Parties have been door knocking as a political strategy since Methuselah was in nappies, but door knocking and talking at people is very different from door knocking and connecting with people and actually listening to them. Mm. So that's not the same as a kitchen table conversation, but the principle that is shared is that it's about listening it's about being heard and it's about building something constructive from people having a say, listening to others, not being intimidated, forming an opinion, uh, changing their perspective without being devalued or demeaned. Mm. That's what we've possibly been losing out. But I think there's some reclamation going on and I, I just think there's an amazing... Synergy, you know, I mean, at times I feel when I reflect on our method, you know, it's not rocket science. It, it's really about having a structured yarn together. But you know what? One of the things that I feel very humbled by to play a role in bringing this into the referendum is Indigenous cultures over thousands and thousands of years, this is what they've been doing, Zoe. Mm. It's just that we haven't sort of white society over the last couple of hundred years, we haven't bothered as much as we should have to understand how Indigenous societies thrived over 60, 65,000 millennia. And part of the sitting around in a circle in peaceable exchange is so deeply embedded in the cultural fabric of Indigenous Australia. So we've been staring at this kind of thing for a long time. Mary, just before I let you go, uh, I mean, other than a, a yes vote in, a, in the referendum, which is an obvious measure of success what what does success look like for the together yes model well obviously success in bringing helping bring home the yes vote that's a key performance indicator mm. but you know i think because because uh because we are working to the majesty of the statement from the heart voice, treaty, truth, I think another success factor for us is that our process and the partnerships we're forming around the recruitment of hosts, that there are relationships that are forming that will last beyond the referendum. And I think that we have the capacity to change the fabric going forward so that once the referendum is over, there is a civil society uptick in saying, what's next? What's next? That was great, but it's not, it's only the start in, in a sense of a formal recognition that is a couple of hundred years overdue and where we can start as a nation to hold our head a bit higher on the international stage because because the campaigning for the referendum has actually been tilling the ground 
with a lot of ordinary folk who are then prepared to take on the next steps. Mary, we rule the line under any negativity from today and we go forward with optimism, I think. Thank you for talking with us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, Zoe. Mary Crooks, the Executive Director of the Victorian Women's Trust. And as I said at the beginning, we will very much be helping facilitate this kitchen table conversation process in Goldstein. So stay tuned and thank you for joining us for this episode of Find Your Voice.